MSW Media. News was Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, July 24th, 2020. Today, a judge orders Michael Cohen released to home confinement, finding the Bureau of Prisons release conditions were retaliatory. A court orders the unsealing of depositions in the Jufri case against Epstein. The U.S. records 2,600 new coronavirus cases every hour as the total surpasses 4 million cases in the United States. The Portland mayor is tear-gassed after speaking with protesters. A federal judge temporarily bars the release of NYPD disciplinary records. Bill Barr calls the reaction to George Floyd murder extreme. The Philadelphia DA threatens to arrest federal agents and the FBI links the men's rights lawyer that shot a federal judge's son and husband to the murder of another attorney in San Bernardino County. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody, it's A.G. We have a great show for you today, including news from under the radar with Amy Carrero, voice of Shira on Netflix, one of my favorite humans. She joins us every Friday now for the news from under the radar. I have the good news block with Jordan Coburn. It is awesome. You should check it out. And I'll be joined by the former deputy assistant attorney general, law professor, L.A. Times columnist and host of the Talking Feds pod, Harry Littman. And he's going to talk to me about Michael Cohen and the decision today and the constitutionality of his First Amendment rights as a felon. Uh, We do have a lot of news to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. We've been following the stories unfolding in Portland, Oregon, about Trump's secret police causing violence, tear gassing uh, peaceful protesters and essentially kidnapping uh, folks off the streets and putting them in unmarked rented vehicles. This is terrifying. And now Trump, we know, has vowed to send these unidentifiable forces to other liberal cities, quote unquote, including Chicago, New York, Detroit, Milwaukee, Baltimore and Philadelphia. And a growing number of local and state officials are pushing back, including Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, who has said in a statement regarding Trump's secret police, quote, My dad volunteered and served in World War II to fight fascism, like most of my uncles, so we would not have an American president brutalizing and kidnapping Americans for exercising their constitutional rights and trying to make America a better place, which is what patriots do. Anyone, including federal law enforcement, who unlawfully assaults and kidnaps people will face criminal charges from my office. So Trump claims the federal intervention is needed uh, due to excessive violence, particularly around federal statues and monuments, for example. But legal experts have said uh, the reported federal actions in Portland far exceed legal boundaries. And most reports on the ground are that the protesters aren't violent and they aren't destroying uh, property or attacking and lighting fires and shit like that. Uh, Today, Bill Barr joined the chorus saying the protests that have arisen in reaction to the murder of George Floyd are, quote, extreme reactions that have demonized police. Uh, No, Mr. Barr, Bargoyle, the police have demonized themselves. Um, Barr was speaking at the White House beside President Donald Trump, who announced he will surge federal law enforcement officers to Chicago and other American cities in an expansion of the Justice Department program known as Operation Legend. 
Um, I tweeted out a picture. You can there. Somebody sh- uh, captured this great shot. Manu Raju put it out. I can't remember the name of the photographer, but it's a shot of the Oval Office right after that uh, announcement was given about Operation Legend, and and you can see Bill Barr looking at Trump and winking, and it's extremely disturbing. I I put it out on on Twitter, um, on my Twitter account, which is at Mueller. She wrote. You should check it out. Um. Yeah, Barr added, quote, we had that terrible death in Minneapolis. That's what he said, referring to Floyd's death. Uh, but uh, he says, but then we had this extreme reaction that has demonized police and called for the defunding of police departments. And what we have seen then is a significant increase in violent crime in many cities. And this rise is a direct result of the attack on police forces and the weakening of police forces. Okay. Uh, Earlier in his remarks, Barr alluded to the Black Lives Matter movement, which has called for protests against police brutality. Quote, leading cause of death for young black males is homicide. Um, every, every one of those lives matter, he, he says. Uh, Trump's dare to deploy additional troops to more cities will test the mettle of reformist prosecutors like Krasner, who has aggressively pers- uh, pursued police reforms and taken steps to eliminate what he calls unethical and unconstitutional police practices that Trump has said he'd like to see more of. Uh, A clash between local and federal law enforcement over how to manage protesters in Philadelphia, if it comes to that, would be unprecedented. Bloomberg News spoke with Krasner, who told them he has not received any official confirmation that Trump would be deploying his federal officers to Philadelphia. When asked about the legality of what Trump is doing, Krasner replied, There are certain areas of shared jurisdiction between federal and local authorities. And frankly, there's a frequent collaboration between federal and local law enforcement on certain types of cases. Often, it's cases involving drugs or guns or explosives, for example. So there's nothing unusual about feds being involved in law enforcement in the city. And there's nothing unusual about collaborations between local and federal federal authorities. They're going on right now in my office, as a matter of fact. What's unusual here is the fluffy rhetoric about taking over cities. What's unusual is the politicization of a normal relationship between federal law enforcement and local law enforcement. And what's really unusual is the apparently illegal stormtrooper tactics that have been used by federal law enforcement in Portland. It is not okay to fracture skulls with what they like to call non-lethal rubber bullets or tear gas canisters. It is not okay when there's no probable cause to jump out of a rental van and just requisition people off the street. That looks like a dictatorship. That looks like kidnapping. That looks like a crime. So there's nothing unusual about federal law enforcement doing law enforcement work where it may follow the law and where they have jurisdiction to do so. That's not what we're dealing with here, though, he says. We're dealing with a shiny object that the president is waving around to distract from his outrageous failures in many other areas and try to use his usual tactics of neo-fascist division, hate, and racism to improve his almost deceased campaign. So, pretty harsh words from Krasner there, Philadelphia DA. Back in Portland, the mayor, Ted Wheeler, uh, was left coughing and wincing in the middle of his own city Wednesday night after federal law, uh, federal officers deployed tear gas into a crowd of protesters and Mr. Wheeler had joined outside the federal courthouse. But the Democratic mayor, 57, has also long been the target of Portland protesters infuriated by the city's police own use of tear gas, uh, which was persistent until a federal judge ordered the city to use it only when there was a safety issue. As Mr. Wheeler went through the crowds on Wednesday, some threw objects in his direction. Others called for his resignation, chanting tear gas Teddy, meaning don't, you know, not calling for people to tear gas Teddy, but they called him tear gas Teddy because of his use of tear gas with the uh, Portland police. After a large wave of tear gas sent Mr. Wheeler away from the scene, some protesters mocked him, asking how it felt. Mr. Wheeler said, joining the protesters at the front, uh, front of the line was just one of the ways he's going to try to get rid of uh, of these federal tactical teams. Uh, 
quote, a lot of these people hate my guts, he said in an interview. But he said they were unified in wanting federal officers gone. Some protesters called the mayor's arrival at the protest scene a photo op. Sean Smith, who's been at the protest for weeks, said Mr. Wheeler, who also serves as police commissioner, needs to take more action to control his police department and align with protesters. While Wheeler was there, protesters projected a huge list of demands on the federal courthouse that read, Theodore, fancy seeing you here. These are our demands. Defund PPB by 50 percent at least, and reinvest into communities, especially the black community. Free all protesters from jail, get the feds out of Portland now, and you, Ted Wheeler, need to resign. Today, uh, Portland will immediately ban all police bureau members from cooperating with federal law enforcement or intentionally using force on or arresting journalists and legal observers under new policies that were just passed by the city council. So, oh, and House Dems have announced that the Department of Justice Inspector General Uh, Horowitz and the Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security will initiate a review to examine the Department of Justice's use of force against peaceful protesters in Portland and in D.C. in what happened in Lafayette Park. Interesting that Trump can't really fire the Department of Justice IG uh, like he's fired so many others because he leans on Horowitz's report about FISA warrant issues against Carter Page. If he fires him, he loses his one bullshit talking point against the Russia investigation though Horowitz actually found that no political bias impacted the Russia probe. But it's also smart for the two of these inspectors general, there and Department of Homeland Security and Department of Justice, to coordinate the announcement because that raises the stakes for Trump retaliating against them. Also today, President Trump spoke with Russian President Vladimir Putin by phone. Uh, We didn't find out about this one from uh, the Russian state media. Uh, The White House did a readout. Uh, They discussed, according to the White House, the novel coronavirus, arms control negotiations and other matters, quote unquote, according to this readout of the call. The call marked Trump's first phone conversation with Putin since last month and comes days after the United States, the United Kingdom and Canada accused Moscow of attempting to hack coronavirus vaccine research. The phone call is also Trump's first with Putin since the explosive new New York Times report about a U.S. intelligence assessment intelligence assessment that Russia offered bounties to Taliban insurgents for launching attacks, murdering U.S. troops in Afghanistan. The White House, which has disputed the elements of the Times account, did not specify well, whether the issue came up during the call. Um, the, the federal, uh, so the, 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 the federal government here uh, and, and the White House have put out this readout of this call with Putin, and the bounties weren't mentioned in it at all, at all. So that's where we are with that story. Um, And a federal judge also ruled today to publicly release documents that have been kept under seal in a case involving uh, Ghislaine Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein's one-time girlfriend and alleged accomplice, life in the Ghislaine. U.S. District Judge Loretta Preska verbally unsealed the documents in a ruling held via teleconference. She is giving Maxwell's legal team a week to uh, pursue an appeal to her decision, but ordered the court to have the documents ready to be posted within a week. The documents are connected to a 2015 defamation case brought by Virginia Giuffre, who claims Epstein sexually abused her while she was a minor and that Maxwell aided in the abuse. The case was settled in 2017. Included in the now unsealed documents are Maxwell's 2016 deposition related to the lawsuit in which she denies knowing if Epstein had a scheme to recruit underage girls for sex. Other documents include emails and depositions by others, including Giuffre and anonymous women who also claim to have been abused by Epstein. Presco ruled that uh, several medical records included in the court filings will remain sealed. In addition, she noted multiple anonymous women, Jane Doe's, who accused Epstein of abuse, that have not publicly spoken out, will have their identities redacted in the documents. 
In her ruling, she said the public's right to have access to this information carried heavier weight than the annoyance or embarrassment to Ghislaine. Quote, in the context of this case, especially its allegations of sex trafficking of young girls, the court finds any minor embarrassment or annoyance resulting from Ms. Maxwell's mostly non-testimony is far outweighed by the presumption of public access. We, uh, so we'll keep you posted on what we learn from the release of these uh, depositions when we get them. And finally, we all know the sordid tale of criminal fixer attorney for Donald Trump, Michael Cohen. He was arrested during the Mueller investigation. The FBI raided his office and the hotel room where he was staying because his house was being remodeled. And he pleaded guilty to eight criminal charges, five counts of tax evasion, one count of making false statements to a financial institution, one count of willfully causing an unlawful corporate contribution, and one count of making an excessive campaign contribution at the request of Donald Trump. Individual one, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. Individual one. Much like Roger Stone, Cohen has incriminating information on the president. But the reason Cohen went to prison and Stone walks free is because Stone lied to protect Trump and Cohen refuses to do so. Stone also got a commutation out of it. So Cohen was sentenced to three years in prison, and in he went. But then he asked for a release to come home, uh, uh, to be, you know, on home arrest because of the threat of COVID-19. And he was granted home confinement, but apparently there was a stipulation in the release that said he could not, from the probation department, the Bureau of Prisons, that he could not release his book or talk to the press about President Trump while on house arrest. Cohen didn't agree to those terms, apparently, and was returned to prison. And then Cohen sued Bill Barr and the Bureau of Prisons, saying his First Amendment rights were being violated and that the stipulation was retaliatory in nature. Today, a federal judge agreed. The judge, Alvin K. Hellerstein of Federal District Court, said Mr. Cohen was sent back to prison this month after several weeks of medical furlough because of his desire to publish a book before the election about his years as Mr. Trump's personal lawyer and fixer. He said, the judge said, quote, I make the finding that the purpose of transferring Mr. Cohen from furlough and home confinement to jail is retaliatory. And it's retaliation because of his desire to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish a book and to discuss anything about the book or anything else he wants on social media or with others. The judge ordered Mr. Cohen be released from prison on Friday to serve the rest of his sentence in home confinement at his Manhattan apartment. E. Donya Perry, one of Mr. Cohen's lawyers, said the judge had confirmed that the government could not block Mr. Cohen from publishing a book critical of the president. Quote, this order is a victory for the First Amendment, she said. The principle transcends politics, and we're gratified that the rule of law prevails. Uh, I, I want to go on record here saying I don't agree that he should be out of prison while reality winner tested positive for COVID-19 is, is supposed to remain. Uh, behind bars, uh, and then thousands and thousands, uh, countless thousands of others uh, who are facing the same thing for far, far lesser crimes. Um, but this is what happened today, so I'm telling you about it. And later in the show, I'll be speaking with former Deputy Assistant Attorney General Harry Littman about the retention of his First Amendment rights for, con you know, uh, it, as a convicted felon. You don't want to miss that and what he has to say about why voting rights are different. So stay with us. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and I'd like to thank our sponsor, Helix Sleep, for supporting my back and the Daily Beans podcast. Like many people, I've had my share of sleep issues from insomnia and tossing and turning and anxiety, uncomfortable all night, waking up to tired, hot night sweats and waking up sore. And the first thought uh, was, hey, I'm just stressed. I'm stressed from covering politics. But as it turns out, 
I had a trash mattress, and for me, everything changed when I got my Helix mattress with Helix Sleep. Helix understands you're unique, and they customize the mattress to fit you the way you sleep best. Uh, Helix Sleep created an online sleep quiz, takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like mattresses that are really soft, or if you like them firm, or if you sleep on your side, or your back, or your stomach, or you sleep really hot like I do, with Helix, there's a mattress for you. Uh, for your unique tastes. And like me, I was matched up with the Helix Midnight because I like my bed medium firm and I sleep on my side. It's perfect for me. But you don't need to take my word for it or Joelle's word for it or Mandy's word for it or Jordan's word for it. It is the best mattress ever. But you don't have to take our words for it. Uh, Helix was actually awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, so you get to try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you definitely will. And they're offering up to $200 off all mattress orders for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for news from under the radar. Joining me today is Amy Carrero. Amy, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. The the um, I just want to let everybody know that the hobby of the week here at the Carrero house is beading bracelets. So today is the daily beads. Oh, <laughs> uh, ha, ha, ha. AG's going to take my job away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm so glad you're here. I love having you here. You got here every Friday now, um, and I'm yes. for the foreseeable future, and I absolutely love that. And uh, and so we're going to kick it off. We've got uh, a couple of headlines today, and we'll start with this. Uh, the number of people known to... We're going to do a, like a COVID update um, really okay, quick cool. because it's getting bad. It's I mean, it's always yeah. been bad, but it's it's uh, getting bad at a, at a faster clip. Uh, because the number of people known to have been infected with coronavirus has surpassed 4 million today. That's another grim milestone in, in a pandemic Jeez, full of grim milestones. And that's according to the New York Times database. And it's not just cases that are rising. The number of hospitalizations and deaths reported in the U.S. each day have also been increasing. Public health experts have warned that the actual number of people infected is certainly far higher than the number of reported cases. It could be up to 13 <sighs> times as high in some regions. Um, grief. Yeah, and cases are trending upwards now in 39 states, as well as D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and they're decreasing in only two states. In the past week, cases have risen most quickly relative to population in Florida, Louisiana, and Mississippi. Texas has added more than 10,000 cases each day on average, and more than 143,000 people have died of the virus in the United States, and experts say that trend in hospitalizations and deaths often lags weeks behind the trend in cases. Even so, the number of people hospitalized in the country on Wednesday very nearly exceeded the previous high of nearly 60,000. That was set on April 15th when the outbreak was largely concentrated in New York. Cases are now rising throughout the United States and hospitals are feeling the strain. So They sure are. That's so insane. Four million people. And then that's not even the, it could be up to 13 times as high. I'm uh bad at math. What is that? That's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's up to 13 times high, higher in, in some regions. Regions. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. So depending on where you're at um, and depending on, you know, a lot of times if you have a Republican governor 
that's right. not really into it. Um, there are some yep. Republican governors who are into it, but there's some who aren't. They might not be testing or they, you know, uh, when I think Trump pulled federal funding uh, for a couple of testing sites in Texas, stuff like that. Oh. When you, you know, when you don't test, uh, which is what Trump wants, you know, right. he thinks he, he a case is a case, whether you discover it by testing or not. But uh, he doesn't I, want those yeah. numbers to make him look bad. That is so outrageous. And then I worry about the places like Puerto Rico, like the U.S. Virgin Islands, where, you know, we couldn't even get good data from Puerto Rico when Hurricane Maria hit. So I'm just like, really, I I have a suspicion that these numbers are so much higher, especially in the places where the, you know, a significant amount of the population are black and brown, and it's just so devastating. I have family in Florida. They waited like eight days for their tests to come back, thankfully negative. But, um, you know, it's just bananas. It's so crazy. My brother's girlfriend is a nurse. She's an RN at um, the county hospital in, in Miami, and she's on a COVID unit. And it's just it's just crazy the amount, the lack of uh, just support, you know, that a lot of – these county hospitals, even, even, you know, private hospitals, but county hospitals are getting from local governments, especially if they're Republican led. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're out of ICU beds in places like Miami Dade. We're out of ventilators and it's going to, doctors are going to start having to make choices about who, who gets a ventilator and who doesn't and why. Yeah. I actually heard today that, um, the mayor of Miami, my hometown was saying that people who live in multi-generational homes and have to go to work, you know, if your circumstances are such that you can't stay home, then you should be wearing a mask inside your house, you know, so grandma doesn't get sick or your mom or whatever. And, and it's just, I think that's, especially in places like Miami, that's just what it's going to have to be until we have a vaccine, if we get one and if it's effective and if people get it. <gasps> yeah. And, and not just that. I mean, we did have that good news about the Oxford vaccine. Trump, yes. uh, our government sunk a couple of billion dollars into it, into Pfizer. And, uh, you know, to try to get it expedited. And, and they're saying that, you know, I think uh, they're going to start a large trial uh, now and then we could actually start seeing uh, an FDA emergency approval, provided everything goes well in the larger trial by the end of December. However, then you have to find 700 mm-hmm. million syringes and, <laughs> you know, and, and distribute it. And, and do you think that when I guarantee you, dude, when it comes down to the vaccine... Uh, and all of the hospitals say, we're out of syringes. We're out of syringes. Trump's going to go, I'm not a shipping clerk. Figure it out yourself. And, and pe- oh, people are, man. you know, then they're get, there's going to be like a black market for syringes. So it's like the movie Contagion. It's like yeah. where, where they have to like ration it. It's like, if it's like, it's your birthday today, you get your vaccine. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you stay home for another 365 days. It's crazy. And it's worse than fiction. Yeah, it's very Kafka-esque. Um. And we'll keep everybody obviously apprised of what's going on uh, with coronavirus, as you know, on the on on the daily. And also uh, today, a federal judge has granted a request from unions representing New York City police departments uh, and police department officers and corrections officers and firefighters to halt the release of decades of disciplinary mm. records to the public. In June, uh, New York State legislators repealed a law known as 50A that had kept those records hidden from view and some argued allowed some cops involved in serious misconduct to avoid scrutiny. Yeah, no shit. But eight public employee unions, including Police Benevolent Association, sued. Uh-huh. 
uh, arguing, yeah, they need to change their name. They argued that the publication of the records related to unsubstantiated or unfounded complaints would violate officers' collective bargaining agreements as well as their right to due process. Um, at, what about our right to due process? But okay, right. Um, the rulings appear to slam on the brakes uh, of this plan by New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio to publish what he called a massive public database of NYPD disciplinary records beginning this month. The mayor revealed that project just five days after legislators legislators repealed 50A amid nationwide protests over the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers. That law originally passed in 1976, has increasingly been used to shield the police from having any of their disciplinary records ever come to light. And this is, the unions, I think, are the bottleneck. Uh, Truly. And this is the piece of news that really just incensed me today. Not that there's a a shortage of incendiary news, but this is really something else. Because what possible good reason? I know that they're saying that it's like unsubstantiated and unfounded, but are they really? And how do we know if we can't see them? So I just, it really just gets me like so upset. Yeah. Because this this is the only way, this is the only way to keep tabs on the people that are supposed to protect us. And if there is no uh, body, independent body that the people trust, um, going over these files or just even being, you know, uh, a place to go and complain, then then what is the point? How can we trust any of them? Yeah. And the thing that r- really pisses me off, too, uh, is that this just gives unions a bad name and leaves a bad mm-hmm. taste in people's mouth about unions. And, you know, uh, you're going to get the pushback. Oh, I thought you liberal bleeding hearts loved unions and loved collective right, bargaining. Right, right. It's like, yeah, when it doesn't fucking murder people, when it doesn't cause people yeah. to be, you know, systemically picked off right. uh, in their own communities. Right. It, collective bargaining is like you're going to get an hour lunch break every day no matter what. Not like you're going to get away with murder. Like that's not that's not it. That's not what we're going for here. Yeah. Oh, man. And there have been so many instances of, uh, you know, examples of, of cops who have had their records of, of disciplinary actions expunged. Their, their right. uh, instances of use of excessive force or racial profiling expunged. And then they were quietly, like, sort of asked to leave the department and then Shuffled were able around. to get a, get a job in another department. Yeah. It reminds me of the Catholic Church, you know, uh, uh-huh. yep. with with their scandal. And then also, it, you know, hits home personally with me being in the military, trying to report my military right. sexual trauma. And the only place you can report it is to the fucking military. It makes it, it, no unbelievable. sense. And, uh, no sense at all. And, it, and I think and I hope uh, that one of the major, major, uh, reforms that come that comes out of this uh, in the wake of the of the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, et cetera, is that we I I personally think abolish the police unions. I mean, go ahead and have a union for your lunch Absolutely. breaks and shit like that. But like this disciplinary shit has got to stop. It got to go. And and also I just think that when we talk about unions, you know, it came out of. It came out of a necessity for people to have rights. Now, but not at the expense of other people's rights. You know what I mean? Like... You can't work. You can't work a twenty-hour workday. Like you know what I mean. Or these mm-hmm. are the working conditions in which you, in, in which we find acceptable. But I just don't know how that snowballed into let's just cover up bad behavior, because I don't know. It's just so. It's just insane. 
Yeah, and the unions are supposed to protect the rights of the disenfranchised. That was the whole entire point. Right. And now this union is protecting the rights of those who would otherwise do harm to murder uh, the disenfranchised. And it's it's yeah. it, it has to stop. Uh, but here's a little ray of sunshine uh, coming out of a giant pile of shit. We've been following the story <laughs> of Rep Yoho from Florida, one of Matt Gates's friends, uh, calling uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez a fucking bitch. Uh, and then in his non-apology on the floor uh. of the House, where he basically said, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, hey, I didn't say it to her face, so it doesn't count. Uh, I have a wife and two daughters, so I won't apologize for my passion and my God or whatever the fuck. It was a bullshit apology. Oh, my God. It and was a non-apology. It was. It was that whole, like, you know, when your partner is like, hey, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I'm sorry you're on your period. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about your crazy hormones and that you reacted wrongly to my awesomeness. You know, it, okay. Ugh, just, it's just That's, so stupid. It's gaslighting and I fucking hate it. So AOC responded today on the floor of the house. She recounted the incident uh, and repeated the term um, fucking bitch. She did it for, uh, you know, because that's what he said. And, and that's for what effect, he said. Yeah. And that's why I'm repeating it now. And the only reason I'm repeating it now. And she says she has an issue with, quote, using women, our wives and daughters as shields and excuses for poor behavior. And I love that mm. she said that because this because yep. basically what this guy said was, I have a wife and I have two daughters. I can't be an asshole to women. Right. Do you want to do you want to oh, fucking God. bet? It's like the I have a black friend thing. Like, Correct. oh, yes. oh, well, in that case. Yeah. And if you though. watch the whole, you know, nine, nine minute video, it's just so it's like almost I don't know if you feel this way, too. But it, it was like almost like everything I've ever wanted to say, but really couldn't put the words to it. Mm-hmm. Like she just said it and said it so well. And she I don't even know if she had it written down. I mean, she might have glanced down like one time. And it was just like. You know when you have a fight with someone and then later on you're like, if I'd only said this, and you're like in your car replaying the fight and like you say the thing, she did it. You know what I mean? And and it just was such a great moment. Yeah. It, she, yeah. She went on to say, um, quote, Mr. Yoho mentioned that he has a wife and two daughters. I'm two years younger than Mr. Yoho's youngest daughter. I am someone's daughter, too. My father, thankfully, is not alive to see how Mr. Yoho treated his daughter. My mother got to see Mr. Yoho's disrespect on the floor of this house towards me on television, and I'm here because I have to show my parents that I am their daughter and that they did not raise me to accept abuse from men. I mean, if that doesn't give you goosebumps, like, I honestly, like, I don't know. I mean, talk about, uh, yeah, that's exactly right. And I, and I just, yep, you have more. Sorry, I, I keep cutting you off because I'm just so excited. No, yeah, no, it's totally fine. She, I, you know, she she later added in her speech, and I encourage everybody to watch the whole thing. I would play it from beginning to end, but it, it's about nine minutes. But you should you should watch it. But she says when when you do that to any woman, what Mister Yoho did was give permission to other men to do that to his daughters. In using that language in front of the press, he gave permission to use that language against his wife, his daughters, women in his community, and I am here to stand up and say. That it is not acceptable. So, woo! Mic drop. That is exactly right. And and I have a sus- suspicious feeling that I don't think Mr. Yoho, Mr. Yuhu gives one shit about what people say to his daughter 
or his wife or women in general. I mean, he's probably called his wife a bitch too. You know what I mean? It's just like people who speak like this speak like this in their own homes as well. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? There's nothing stopping them. And so I just... And it's also the, the the idea that you because the idea that you you have to um, uh, somehow have women in your sphere in order to know to respect them is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's just the whole premise is so ass backward. And the fact that she is one of the few people uh, with this platform that is able to get up and actually, I think speak with the the values of the generation that's sort of done with that other bullshit you know it's like we're done with the old boys club but Mm -hmm. congress or our elected representatives are usually the last the it's the last uh group that represents how the country looks and feels for Mm -hmm. some reason it's always the last you know it's like a delay the old guard exactly so i'm so glad that we have her and it's got to do, I think, with the fact that there's no term limits, too. Um, right, right. But yeah, like, my my ex-husband was married to a woman, and he also mm-hmm. fucking abused me. So, in fact, right. every woman who's married to a man and every person who's married to a person that is a, a survivor yep. of domestic violence was married to that person. So, like, yeah. what is your fucking point? I have a wife and daughters. Oh, congratulations. Uh, it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. But also, she said something really interesting in, in her speech where she talked about this isn't about one isolated incident. It's a culture. And I think that, that it's it's the culture of, of certainly now, of government and, it, and, like, out in the open because of the tone that Trump has set. Um, but also the culture of policing and the culture of this idea that like, um, your passion or your feelings are more important than someone else's humanity. So like, I feel scared, so I'm going to shoot you in the back five times, or I feel so impassioned for my constituents that I'm going to call you a fucking bitch. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In your place of employment, it's this idea that men get to be all of the things that women don't get to be. And that is... So tiring. Yeah. yeah, and I think Trump tweeted out after that whole thing went down. I think he tweeted out a, po- a story from the New York Post, and he's got some ties with the New York Post. Something's going on with the New York Post. Oh, talking for sure, about yeah. talking about suburban housewives and and how they're coming to destroy your your suburbia, your American dream, uh, which is <laughs> like got to be the most dictatorial racist shit I've heard in the last I you know I would say in a long time but yeah. I mean it's been since yesterday since he said something else right um so the day's still young we you know there's plenty of opportunity left for him to say something ridiculous yeah suburban housewives um okay uh thanks man <laughs> weird but honestly like suburban housewives are i mean he should be scared of suburban housewives because suburban housewives are hopefully going to or will be the demographic you know white suburban housewives that will get him out i mean they put him in with their help so i'm hoping that um I'm hoping that that they remember all of this and show up for yeah the rest of us. But I think just I think just to insinuate that women who live in suburbia are all housewives is fucking ridiculous. oh yeah 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 oh like, oh that oh my god the fact that ag the fact that I didn't even clock that shit is just how ingrained that misogyny or just like how ingrained hearing that kind of stuff is in my brain. Isn't that ridiculous? 
Yeah, there's it, it. It's real, and that goes right back to what AOC was saying about it being a culture. Yeah, you yeah. know, and she's a hundred percent right. Well, I'm glad that we have her to call it out. Yeah, uh, and she's perfect at it too. I don't. I think that I don't think that was scripted, man. It was just so beautiful. No, uh, she like barely. Yeah, it was great. I think she had her talking point. She had her set list. Like, that's what, you know, like comics do. We'll write down like one word and it'll trigger a six minute joke. So like, my, <laughs> yeah, my yeah, set yeah. list will be like boobs, traffic, <laughs> uh, coffee, <laughs> Kentucky fried chicken. Yeah. You know, and then you just right. go. Yeah. <laughs> she, I think she just had her set list up there. <laughs> yeah. I think she's just probably maybe she's like secretly made this speech in one way or another, like her whole entire life. As women, we do that. You know what I mean? It's like you have these experiences and because they incense you so much and you may not have the perfect words at that moment, you maybe you just file them away and you have mm. this library of like things you want to say and always have wanted to say. And I'm I'm so glad she did. So yeah. I will be rewatching that. Just like you said, she's probably walked away from a hundred different people who have said similar shit to her and had had yeah. the perfect comeback an hour later and put them all together oh, into a speech yeah. for Mr. Yep, Yoho. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Amy Carrero. Everybody check out Shira on Netflix. You have to. It's important. Thank you for having me. You have to. I'm making you. Required homework. I so appreciate you having me on the show. Yeah, 100%. And I will continue to see you. And, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be back next Friday with you and, and we'll talk about, see what the news, what the newscape looks like, how it's changed in a week because it changes dramatically. What the temperature in the cesspool is. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, well, thank you again um, for being here, and we'll talk to you next time. Everybody, stick around right after this break. I have an interview with former Deputy Assistant uh, Attorney General Harry Littman about what's going on with the Michael Cohen case and First Amendment rights for convicted felons. So stay with us. Hello, Daily Beans listeners. It's AG. This portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. As we've learned from the handling of the pandemic, that it's better to be proactive rather than reactive. And I'm doing my best to help flatten the curve and keep myself and my loved ones safe and you too by socially distancing, reducing unnecessary trips out and trying to avoid crowded grocery stores because there's a lot of people without masks there and they're just talking out of their face holes. And so I recommend trying Sunbasket. Sunbasket delivers healthy, delicious meals straight to your door and it's a perfect and tasty solution for what's happening right now because Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences. That was the problem that was stopping me before, but now... I can do this because they have paleo and I'm on paleo, but they also have gluten-free and Mediterranean and vegetarian and more. And they make it easier and convenient. Everything's pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook. And you can enjoy a dinner full of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how much you suck in the kitchen. And I say that because I do. I burn jello. Uh, but these are so easy to prepare and they're so delicious. And each week they offer a wide range of recipes to choose from. So you can try Hwasan steak strip lettuce cups with pickled daikon and carrots, black bean tostadas diablo with cabbage slaw and guacamole, or roasted salmon with miso glazed eggplant. Mmm... I love that one. You can order from any recipes across their menu. Skip whenever you want to or double up on your favorites. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety, which is important to us. They reinforce strict adherence to their operating procedures, and they've increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their employees. 
And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order when you go to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter pro- promo code dailybeans at checkout for $35 off your first order. Sunbasket.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to enter promo code dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today is former Deputy Assistant Attorney General, host of the Talking Feds podcast, law professor and L.A. Times columnist Harry Littman. Harry, welcome back. Good to be here. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Just staying at home, wearing masks when I go out and doing my job. Right. Um, So we covered the full story at the top of the show. Uh, that a federal judge today has ordered that Michael Cohen be released from home into home confinement after finding that federal officials had returned him to prison in retaliation. It was retaliatory for his plans to write a tell-all memoir about Trump. And then Judge Hellerstein said, and I quote, uh, I make the finding that the purpose of transferring Mr. Cohen from furlough and home confinement to jail is retaliatory, and it's retaliation because of his desire to exercise his First Amendment rights to publish a book and to discuss anything about the book or anything else he wants on social media and with others. And as a relief, uh, they're going to test Co- uh, Cohen one more time for coronavirus, release him to his son, I guess, at 2 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Friday. And the question here is, I get it's 100% retaliatory, and I'm totally down for this. I I wish that the law was applied equally to everyone in the United States, but I'm down for this, uh, and and a lot of us are. Uh, However, I've had a lot of questions from our listeners saying, First Amendment rights. Do you have First Amendment rights as a convicted felon serving time? You do. Uh, everybody has First Amendment rights, unless they don't. That's that's less of a uh, of a Delphic answer than it sounds like. There are very occasional um, plea agreements that require some abridgment or even surrender of First Amendment rights. Judges scrutinize them carefully, but it's possible as part of a plea bargain to give up your First Amendment rights. Just didn't happen here. Uh, in fact, the finding by Hellerstein, well, it's not, he finds retaliation. It's the we have um, not atypically these days sort of finger pointing in both directions from uh, probation folks and DOJ. The prosecutors are saying we never tried to do this. It was actually they came back to Cohen and said, now you're going to have to sign away your rights. But that wasn't part of the original bargain. And it's not exactly clear who did it, but whoever did it, Hellerstein says, that was in retaliation. And that finding gave him the wherewithal to spring Cohen and send him back. He would have already been able to say, He's still got First Amendment rights. He didn't give them up. You can't just put this on him after the sentence. But then in addition, the retaliation was the springboard for saying he can go back to his, um, you know, under the care of his son. So the short answer is he hadn't given them away. It's not that it's impossible, but he hadn't. And you can't just, you know, say, uh, you know, try to impose it after the fact. Okay, and and so this agreement or this uh, these bail conditions or home confinement, not bail, home confinement conditions. Right. You you say we aren't really quite sure uh, how they materialized. That'd be an interesting investigation. But uh, this comes from the probation office in the Bureau of Prisons, as far as we can tell. And can you tell us who is uh, who who's in charge of the Bureau of Prisons again? 
Well, you mean all the way to the tippy, tippy, tippy top? I think <laughs> I, I think you know. I think you know. It's a WPB Junior. I'll just leave it at that. So that's right. If you want, if we want to indulge conspiracy theories, and by the way, there was finger pointing yesterday where Bill Barr said, "Oh, we've made two hundred arrests." in whatever city it was and they said mm, maybe one then that was the u.s attorney so there are coordination issues going on but that's right it could have been an order given from at the at the attorney general level although it's a little odd that the prosecutors wouldn't know about it so who knows but the you know who's likely since hellerstein is now found retaliation has occurred who's likely to want to retaliate or care about it Certainly not the, you know, Bureau of Prisons or, or probation. That goes up to the tippy, tippy, tippy top uh, of the, the president of the United States. So I'm sure chagrined to hear about the book being written. Of course, it wouldn't have been hard to anticipate before. So that's right. We don't we you know, there's there's finger pointing. Hellerstein didn't need to reach it. He just said, you know, retaliation happened and you get to go home. Yeah, and I think if we step back and look at the bigger picture here, and I think Joyce Vance had brought this uh -huh. up as well, we don't know who ordered whom to do what. But there is a pattern uh, within the United States Department of Justice as coordin coordinated with the president and, and the White House of punishing, weaponizing the Department of Justice to punish enemies uh, who might come out against Trump and to reward those who keep quiet, cover up for the president, a la Michael Flynn and Roger Stone, for example. So, I mean... Sad and, to say, but no we, doubt about it. That's right. Yeah, so I think when you put it in the context of, of the larger dismantling of the rule of law in this country, it seems to fit, doesn't it? It seems to fit. And what, you know, burden of proof do you apply? And does, um, you know, I, I wrote a while ago, remember, I came all the way from Bill Barr, excellent choice to being, you know, as stern a critic as anyone. But I, I wrote not that long ago that he's lost all benefit of the doubt. So if just between you and me and talking on um, Daily Beans, we want to say, hmm, smells fishy and it's been fishy there for a while. Yep think that's totally fair doesn't prove it in a court of law and didn't have to be but look the overall pattern of exactly as you say in the most base way the you know the one kind of litmus test being you know are you nice to the president or not nice and that's 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 the uh that's what determines the kind of um just the brand of justice you get um accorded yep that's that's the country we're in these days now, what other rights does someone in federal prison or, you know, home confinement serving their sentence as a convicted felon, what other rights do they retain? All. That is, unless they're specifically given away. Of course, they don't retain the right to liberty. That's expressed. But they make a deal. A plea bargain is a contract. I don't mean it's like a contract. It's a contract. It's a contract analysis. You give something and you get something. You give whatever, you know, a guilty plea or whatever, and you give up, you know, liberty and the like. So if there's going to be any other right, constitutional rights surrendered, and I'm trying to think what they would even be other than liberty, it really has to be expressed. So and when you hear about it, it has to do with the First Amendment. And as I said, courts scrutinize it and are pretty um, careful. Again, it's possible sometimes, you know, of people who have been convicted and have to surrender, um, 
any profits from a book or maybe you you know there's there there are problems with prior restraints but basically you read the contract and if you're going to be giving up constitutional rights it damn better better be very clear and it, here there's nothing about it in the Michael Cohen plea agreement so it's a, it's an easy case in that sense to find he didn't give them up he had to take another step and do something that judges don't do very often but they do more and more in Bill Barr's Department of Justice which is find bad motive, retaliation, et cetera. And that was what he needed to do, not to restore the First Amendment rights, they were already there, but to permit him uh, to go back home. And, and what about voting rights? Yeah, so there are certain statutes that just say automatically, and it's, it's by state law, certain, and you, you know, we're seeing this play out in Florida, states have the right to say it's been upheld. If you're a felon until you do X, Y, and Z, you may lose. That's a that's a very good point. I should have thought of that off the top because that can often happen by operation of state law, uh, which is where the the you know there are there's there's a federal grounding of the right to vote, but it really happens at the state level. And yes, yeah, states can uh, constitutionally impose limitations or even take away right to vote based on having been convicted as a felon. It's not the plea agreement, but you're right. Felons can, can lose that more and more States now are, uh, the, the trend is to restore them. Um, but, uh, that's, that's an important, uh, uh, constitutional right that, that sometimes goes away. And we're seeing this in Florida, right? You know, 750,000 to a million felons, Florida has said, we want to restore their rights. And the governor is saying they have to pay all their fines first, which, you know, that those are always honored in the breach criminal fine. So that, and that could be pivotal. Uh, Trump won the whole state by, you know, 112,000 or something last in 2016. Yeah, odd that 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 right can be revoked by states, but some others cannot or haven't been, I guess. Maybe that's that's the scary part is that I think cannot. I mean, there would be some. You couldn't (laughs) say you give up your right to cruel and unusual punishment, so we're going to give you the lash. Say, I just don't think that would, no one's ever tried it. But uh, now, oh, here's one thing that does come up sometimes. It's law school exam territory. This may be more information than you want. But there have been some, uh, it's a kind of cutting edge area, so to speak, gruesome joke, uh, to uh, chemically castrate uh, certain sexual assailants can they take a much much shorter sentence in return for agreeing to be castrated? There, the the courts have not completely um, resolved that question. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. But I suppose when you're leaving it up to the defendant, um, it, it gets been even more gray grayer. Yeah, it's always but it's always up to the defendant. It doesn't feel that way because the government has the has the lean on you. But even if you give up First Amendment, again, it's a contract, and the the sort of fiction of the law is it's negotiated out at arm's length between two equal parties, et cetera. Mm, oh, no, I was referring to voting rights. That's not something that's— uh, Right. No, you're right. You're right. So more and more states like Florida want to say, once you've served your term, you're okay. And then the Republican governor DeSant- put put that extra little— um, uh, you know, term on it. That's now a, a district court after a long trial found it was an unconstitutional condition. You were basically making them pay for the right to vote. You can't do that. Uh, and that seemed well-reasoned. And then bizarrely and um, 
bizarrely and consequential, very consequential, the 11th Circuit with no reasoning just said we're staying what the district court did. So we're mm-hmm. back at that point. And then the Supreme Court um, did uh, upheld the stay. So we have, you know, people think think a lot about the Supreme Court's decisions lately, but they do a lot in the so-called shadow docket, you know, the term thrown around by Supreme Court advocates for all the sort of stays and things they do that aren't actual written decisions. And, uh, you know, they are over the next few months, they could be absolutely pivotal. So this decision, which had no written uh, reasoning by the majority, in effect, could keep 750,000 to a million people from voting in Florida because things won't get resolved in time. And you can see how something like that, it wouldn't be the first time that quirks in Florida had swung an election. So people are really worried about the, the way that's done and the fact that the Supreme Court can do it without really giving much reasons or hearing from the sides. It's just, up. Oh, we give a stay. Now, can the judge, back to the Cohen case here, can the judge, because yep. Cohen sued, and this is what the judge found, can Barr appeal right. this finding? Yes. Okay. But, of course, it's a finding. So it's a little harder to, you know, it's the, the as a legal matter, retaliation is a valid reason to uh, invalidate the, the uh, his being forced to return to jail. So, and if that goes up to the Second Circuit, this judge is a senior judge in the Southern District of New York. We've all heard of that office. Um, will would uh, that his factual finding that there was retaliation would would be subject to deference, uh, and the legal theory that he applied is basically impeccable. So that's a tough road to hoe. I I, I think they probably will not appeal especially since they're the ones now saying oh we didn't want this it was somewhere in the you know bureau of prisons or whatever <laughs> yeah oh but we did so we're going to appeal it yeah that would be really funny well, well see, i wouldn't yeah. put it past him i wouldn't put it past him we'll keep we'll oh keep you're our... so cynical about the department of justice ag when did this happen uh april 2019 <laughs> there you go <laughs> all right all right well, thanks so much for talking to us today pleasure is always talking to you you bet uh, Everybody check out the Talking Feds pod. Harry Lippman, we appreciate you coming on the show. Everybody stick around right after this break. We're going to have the good news block. Stay with us. Hello, friends. It's AG. Earlier in the show, you heard me talk about our the Helix mattresses that we all have. Everyone in the podcast has one and how it solved our sleep issues because it was customized just for me. Well, I'm excited to share that Helix has launched a new company called Allform that's gone beyond the bedroom to revolutionize furniture for the rest of your home. Allform makes beautiful, customizable sofas and chairs delivered directly to you with fast, free shipping. They allow you to customize your own sofa using premium materials at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. Because normally, if you want to get a customized sofa, it takes, like, months. And you would need someone to come and assemble it for you. And you have to sit there for nine hours while the freight company has this delivery window and you don't know when they're going to show up. And right now, during COVID, they just leave it on the street. They won't even bring it up. So then you got to find somebody or try yourself to lug it into your house. But all form takes just three to seven days to arrive in the mail and you can assemble it yourself in a few minutes. No tools. No tools needed. And with all form, you can pick your fabric, which is spill, stain, and scratch resistant, perfect for pod pets. You can pick the color, the color of the legs, the sofa size, and the shape to make sure it's perfect perfect for you in your home. I got a three-seater sofa, customized it with whiskey-colored leather, walnut legs, and uh, chaise lounge, and it came in a couple of days. I put it together myself, and I absolutely love it. It's super roomy and modern, and the fact that it was designed just to my specifications is the best. 
Allform has gorgeous armchairs and love seats, all the way up to eight-seat sectionals, so there's something for everyone. And you can always start small and add on if you move into a bigger house or your family grows. Uh, best of all, you get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it, and if you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free and give you a full refund. They also have a forever warranty, literally forever, so to find your perfect sofa, check out allform.com slash dailybeans, and Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners at allform, A-L-L-F-O-R-M dot com slash dailybeans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. Joining me today for the good news is dog mom Jordan Coburn. Hey. Hello. I feel like everyone's being so kind and loving about the new addition to my lonely family. Thank you, everybody, for your love. <laughs> She's still doing well. Yeah, well, it was kind and loving of you to adopt her, so. Totally. You deserve it. She's so freaking cute. So tired and tuckered out constantly, though. Yeah, she's just adjusting, I bet, and mm-hmm. it's just, you know. Definitely. It, 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 you know, they, they get like, what, 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 and then they're cool. Yes. Totally. I'm glad that she's. Yeah. Glad she's got a good home. Mostly like. What, what, what? I'm nauseous. Blech. Okay, now everything's <laughs> what, what, fine. What, what, what? Pee. What, what, what? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nap. Yeah. Well, we do have a lot of good news uh, sent into us today. I want to kick it off with a, a pretty good news story here. Um, this is uh, from News News. Uh, the Senate today passed the Mammoth Defense Policy Bill that sparked a veto threat from President Trump over its inclusion of a plan to rename bases after Confederate figures. But the Senate voted 86 to 14 on the new National Defense Authorization Act. That's a way above the two-thirds majority it would take to override a potential veto, though senators could flip their votes on a potential override. Uh, it comes just days after the House passed its version of the annual NDAA. The two chambers will now have to reconcile their, their bills to craft a final deal. But with both versions containing plans to rename bases, it will likely be difficult to keep that issue out of the final agreement. So, hooray. Um Good. So far, veto-proof, renaming the bases, um, barring Senate Republicans changing their votes to support a veto. But usually, generally, uh, people don't vote on these kinds of things if they want to make changes to them. Do you know what I mean? They, they mm-hmm. would usually like try to have an amendment or something like that. So mm-hmm. it seems like uh, we could get those bases renamed. So that's good news uh, for everyone. That is very good news. Thank God. Yeah, so let's let's kick it off uh, here with the um, with the good news from listeners. Do you want to you want to get the first one there? Sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, this one is a bit bittersweet in nature, but definitely good news overall. This one comes from anonymous pronoun she her. A former Nazi concentration camp guard was just convicted of five thousand two hundred and thirty two counts of murder in one of the last Holocaust trials. I didn't know that those right. trials, that any of those trials were still going on at all. Yeah, 5,232 counts. Wow. Yeah. It's insane. And, uh, yeah, good yes. news. I'm keeping it good. I almost <laughs> went in. I almost went into a, I just got, I just lifted myself up by my, uh, my own collar there. All I'm going to make are dog references now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And our next one is about cats. It's from Carissa, pronoun she, her. They said, this is about kitties, so it's for AG to read. Ha, 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 ha. Um, 
Okay, here we go. My 18-year-old cat, Skinny, passed away about two years ago. She was the most skittish cat ever, but a total cuddle ball if you earned her trust until there was a loud noise. She was the major reason I dumped the ex-fiance. She was so right. <laughs> it, was because, <laughs> it was because she was immediately comfortable with my now husband that I even dated him. Um, the hubs and Skinny were incredible buddies. And he has not been ready for a new cat. He is every bit as finicky as Skinny was. Then on Monday, our local humane shelter posted a picture of six-year-old Pistol. Um, she has the same it's-in-the-syllabus face that Skinny had. <laughs> There's a picture here so you can see. <laughs> and the shelter <laughs> said she had stopped eating due to stress. Oh, the same way Skinny used to do. Uh, I could look at that face and know that her poor tummy would calm down right away if she would just sit with my calm, quiet husband for an afternoon. I shared the pic and tagged him, and the excitement of Facebook friends who thought she was a perfect match for us was hilarious and plentiful. The shelter was supposed to be closed until Wednesday at 1, but I was a pest, and we were able to visit her on Tuesday after uh, the vet had checked her out and agreed she was just stressed. I couldn't tell if he wasn't interested or was trying not to get attached when he met her on Tuesday. But on Wednesday, the hubs, who is retired and the author of uh, Brombone's Books dot uh, com and usually in bed whenever I leave for work, was throwing his clothes on when I got out of the shower and said, we don't have any litter. <laughs> he doesn't drive. So he walked several blocks with a with heavy litter and cat food. So she would be re- so that we would be ready. Oh. Uh, my car is in the shop this week, so I walked 20 minutes home in the 100-degree heat on my lunch break and then was accompanied by the hubs, who hates the heat, for another 10 minutes to the shelter. This time, my husband was much engaged with the cat while I did the paperwork, uh, and in that time, the cat ate all the treats she had ignored all morning. Uh, <laughs> he carried her home, uh, her yowling with great judginess all the way, and within three hours, she had started eating from her food bowl, though she made sure we knew it was crap food, and we needed to find her some non-crap food soon, please. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she told my gun-hating peacenik Yankee husband that her name was Gretchen Green Eyes instead of Pistol, and we agreed that her last name is The Cat. So Gretchen Green Eyes the cat bossed us around and explored the house all evening, demanding that we get in bed at 10 and then slept through the night and chirped us awake at 6.15 this morning. She's absolutely nothing like Skinny except for that perpetual scowl, but I'm pretty certain she's in the right place. Oh, oh my goodness. There's a picture. Jeez, that is a picture. perfect way to describe that face, too. I know, oh it's in the gosh. syllabus. Yes, that's uh, you, f- you freaking idiot upright. It's in the syllabus. So cute. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful uh, face. Oh, yeah. beautiful eyes. That's a calico. Yeah. My first cat ever in life um, was a calico, and her name was Calypso, I'm fairly certain. My mom can correct Aww. me on that if she's listening. And then I think, um, I swear there's a, anyways, I'll try to find pictures. Adorable freaking cat. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah, I had a tiny little, a tiny little calico um, with feline uh, immunodeficiency virus that, uh, her name was Hay <laughs> because she was found in a in a pile of hay in a barn, so... She was very cute. I love little calico kitties. Yes. So sweet. Um, Next up, from Cloud Cuckoo, pronouns he him. I'm starting to think sometimes these aren't your real names. 
everyone. <laughs> I think a uh, cloud cuckoo <laughs> comes from. I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess it's the Lightning Seeds album, Cloud Cuckoo Land. Uh, unless that's a reference to something, but anyway, hell yeah, '80s reference. Is it a good? Is it a good album? It is a really good album. In fact, the song "Pure" I covered on my album in 2006. I loved oh, it so much. Oh, very nice. All right, well, I have some listening to do. Uh, Cloud Cuckoo says, "Was listening to your latest podcast, Pool Noodle Money, featuring Courtney Smith Kramer, this afternoon here in Wales." Heard her suggest putting arms around a tree and talking to it, which is something I've done since a child, but not for a little while. Suddenly felt the need, so went to the top of the garden where there's an old oak tree and spent a few minutes asking how it was and telling it how lovely and wonderful it is. As I was about to leave, I looked down and saw something shiny at the foot of the tree. Please see attached file. Uh, and it is a beautiful leaf with a beautiful silver ring on it with a heart in it and they he goes on to say um please uh now now tell me there's no such thing as magic in this world this is our garden nobody else comes here and the silver ring did not belong to us love your show so very much please tell courtney about the special moment she inspired that's so sweet it's like a perfectly (laughs) framed ring on a perfect leaf and a perfect dirt floor I know it's hard to imagine perfect dirt, but it is. Do you you see the picture? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. It looks it is. like it's perfect dirt. Yes, it looks like there was a volcano in Big Sur or something. It's kind of like ashy looking, but it's also there's like pockets of green and beautiful rocks. It's wonderful. Thank you. This is a lovely picture. iPhone. Nice. That is amazing. If there yes. if there's a a lady in your life that wants to wear that ring around her neck on a necklace or something, if not. Let me know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from the ashes. That was a volcano mm. reference. <laughs> next, next up. Nothing personal. <laughs> <laughs> Born to love volcanoes. Watch them on PBS. Okay. <laughs> There's a everyone. Hit me up on Twitter if you know that reference. All right. Next from anonymous. Uh, pronoun she her. Hello, awesome women. I've been working from home since the beginning of this shit show pandemic and wanted to share some good news. I'm incredibly grateful to have a job, a house, and a great husband and a fabulous dog, Gru, G-R-U, who who is a, a retired service dog from Freedom Service Dogs. This is a great nonprofit that works with vets, amongst others, providing dogs to assist with PTS, CBI, and physical disabilities. My husband and I volunteered there. End of plug. Here's my good news. I've been bored with work, so I decided that I'm starting up a coaching practice for women after divorce. I was inspired by you, AG, to follow my dream and be courageous. Thanks for all creating. Uh, thank you all for creating a safe and funny space to get away from the trauma of the last five years. Your intelligent and real reporting and the amazing people you bring on to speak the truth has been a balm on my spirit. I'm attaching a pic of my pup to hopefully bring a bit of silly to your day. I hope my boss won't see it if you decide to post. If not, oh well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That is such a funny angle and such a cute dog. I know. Oh. He's so rad. Oh we'll my include goodness. all these photos in the newsletter. Yes, totally. Thank you so much. That's incredible. And hit me up. I would be interested in your uh, <laughs> post-divorce coaching. I really would. <laughs> so, Like all of our good news are so vaguely tied together somehow in between our rants and the content. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really, really tough starting your own coaching business regardless of the topic. So, and that's, that's a, a so, so, so needed space. 
like yep freaking oh my god can vouch yeah yeah absolutely i i think if if there if you can empower women going through that that is invaluable and that's really great i wish you all the success in that new endeavor um Next up from Dan. Dan says, I was livid when I learned some months ago that blue states like New York tend to be net contributors to the federal government, while red states like Kentucky tend to be net takers. The occasion Mm. of my brother-in-law's 60th birthday gave me insight about what I can do about this. My brother-in-law is a bourbon aficionado. My initial impulse was to get him a good bottle of Kentucky bourbon as a gift, but I had no interest in pumping my hard-earned money into a far-right taker state. (laughs) Taker state is a great insult you're just a taker state um (laughs) into a far-right taker state represented by mitch mcconnell in the senate it took surprisingly little research to discover that there are great bourbons here in new york i got one for my brother-in-law and it earned his seal of approval not only that but when i shared my perspective he was convinced to follow suit he will abstain from buying red state spirits until the hypocrisy ceases hell yes that was a very poetic and well-delivered piece of good news um on your part and it was so yeah that's i i didn't even really think about the fact that you could be supporting um that state directly that's so that's so interesting to think about and i would have never thought that there was bourbon made in new york that was specifically labeled as such really yeah um, and and if you think about like i know some people might push back and say hey you're hurting the workers you're not though because they get paid or pay underpaid or not paid regardless uh and um, you have to kind of keep in mind that when you purchase bourbon from Kentucky, a lot of taxes, liquor taxes, go to the state. And that's like how they put the money in their coffers. So I wouldn't uh, have people shy away from buying from other small businesses, uh, from folks who live in any state. Uh, but specifically the ones that give large chunks of cash to, to Republican governments. Yeah, I could see. Yeah. I could see. Yeah, you're just diverting your spend to a different small business. That's all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's popping up somewhere else in the economy. That's true. That's true. But I know that there are some awesome, amazing people in in those red states, and absolutely. And uh, I don't, I don't want to like overlook them because totally. they're incredible as well. I appreciate uh, you saying that. But yes. Uh, next up from Gail. I live in the heart of racist Trump count of racist Trump country in central Texas. We have several Confederate parks. And uh, references, of course. There's even one they used that used to hold Civil War reenactments at, though in recent years those have stopped for the most part. Today it was announced that acting on guidance provided by Belton City Council, the city's park board is forming a 10-person committee to help facilitate changing the name of Confederate Park. Yes, it's literally named <laughs> Confederate Park. Oh, God. On July 28th, the Belton City Council uh, will have an item on its agenda to formalize the decision to change the park's name and the name of nearby Confederate Park Drive. <laughs> Can you be more racist? Uh, I am beyond floored that this once racist little community is doing the work to fix this. Proof positive that change can happen. This is happening in response to a formal request by only two Belton residents, just two. If your voice feels small at times, stop it. Do the work your heart tells you to do. Sometimes the smallest voices ring the loudest. Hang in there, fellow resistors. Love to you all. Awesome. Thank you, Gail. Yes, that was a beautiful message reinforcing the previous message from Anonymous, starting up their own business, her own business, too, to do that Mm -hmm. exact thing. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Uh, And yeah, my God, they really uh, shit the bed there on naming things for a minute. (laughs) 
Confederate <laughs> Park Drive and Confederate Park. Okay. Very creative. Uh, Racists aren't known for their creativity. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, to be expected. Um, I can't think of any, like, like confederate poets that i know of <laughs> any like confederate wordsmiths although i'm sure they exist unfortunately but they definitely don't get prime time um ne- ne- next up from anonymous pronoun she her hi beans queens wanted to share some good news for my workplace i work for a major youth mentoring organization in new york city our new ceo who identifies as black latina and female total badass lady has fearlessly thrust us into the diversity equity and inclusion imperatives that our work demands for the first time we came out with public responses to the instances of police brutality pledging active allyship to the youth we serve first and foremost our new strategic plan includes de and i goals um that's just yeah i don't need i probably don't need to say this but diversity equity inclusion uh goals for the organization overall and each department we've developed new affinity spaces for our mentors and mentees to safely talk about their individual lived experiences obtain peer support and shape our programming most recently we learned that all our all mentors no matter how long they volunteered with us some have for over 10 years will be required to complete a bias awareness training there's so much more being done but i'll leave that at that i've always been proud of our work in this organization but this feels next level i know we're not alone in this space and i'm excited to watch these efforts grow hopefully across the country as i heard my ceo say today mentoring was meant for this moment trump is the worst but he can't make us afraid or stop us yay yeah thank you that's right thank you so much i agree trump is the worst yes he didn't stop me i mean he stopped me from working for him but he didn't stop me doing the podcast so fuck yeah worst me and my dad and sister (laughs) last night just sat around the tv just watching like awful trump clips it was just we started it like did you see this and then did you see this then before long we're like what the fuck are we doing turn the shit off this is Mm. he is the worst just sitting there he is he is absolute 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 worst but and he just had to cancel he just canceled his jacksonville the jacksonville uh florida portion of the republican convention because Uh jacksonville the the fucking republican top cop down there was like i can't get this done so you know and so trump had trump can't do his little um petri dish hate picnic in jacksonville so love the losing I love it. (laughs) Next up from Sav, uh, pronoun she, her. Congrats to Jordan for becoming a dog mama. She is the cutest pup ever. So this is probably something something for social media, but I don't participate in that shit. Anyway, (laughs) I was so beyond stoked to hear you recommend Bodhi Animal Hospital in San Diego because that's the clinic. That clinic is in my company's network of veterinary hospitals. All of our hospitals are top-notch, and it was way awesome to hear my favorite ladies' podcast not only randomly talk about one of our practices, but recommend it. So cool. Thanks so much for all your hard work putting these shows together and keeping it real. Yay! Aha, uh-huh, yeah. 100%. Well, now I, 100% yeah. I'm going to go there. I was 99%. Yeah, the first time I took that, what, because we just, when we first moved into the neighborhood and I, I'm like, okay, time for a new vet and uh, took took our pets. I took the pets there because they had a big pride flag outside and I was like, awesome, good people. And then I went in and it was uh, pride month and so everyone was decked out in rainbows and they were all like super pro LGBTQ plus. And the one of the receptionists had beautiful, like purple, like bright purple hair, and I'm like, this is my fucking place. I absolutely love it there. Everyone is so cool. 
So anyway, yeah, I absolutely love uh, Bodie. I love it there. They, I get the top-notch quality uh, care for my pets, and they're convenient and awesome and safe and wonderful. So there. Okay. And uh, do you want to take the last one from Lisa? Yes, I would love to. Uh, finally, from Lisa, pronoun she, her. This is a very small and personal uh, this is very small and personal, but next Saturday, my husband is taking our daughter fishing at 8 a.m. We live on a farm in Australia, and 9 a.m. Saturday morning is 4 p.m. Friday, your time. So I will be joining you live at 9 a.m. with a cocktail. I am so excited. <laughs> I haven't been out for months, and next week, I'm going out at home at 9 a.m., and I will be drinking. Yay. I don't often drink at 9 a.m., so just in case, I apologize to you all in advance. <laughs> nah, Lisa, just Things have a Bloody wild. Mary. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the breakfast... The breakfast cocktail uh, or a mimosa. What, what, what were you going to say? Yes. I was just going to say, I'm surprised we haven't had more listeners come on drunk when they come on screen. <laughs> it is a happy hour after all. They all hold themselves so well. They're so, uh, they, they have such decorum. I think we got a little bit saucy with Gene Yoon like once maybe. But aside, aside from that, every, everybody's been like stone cold sober. Come on, everybody. If that's your thing. I'm just that was great and that's so cool (laughs) that your husband's taking your daughter fishing i used to go fishing with my dad i absolutely loved it and um i was like this uh, this is what was funny about my dad we would catch a fish and he'd be like oh this one's pregnant gotta throw it back and i'd be like oh man and then we'd catch another one and my dad would be like oh this one's pregnant gotta throw it back and i was like oh man i wanted to kill these fish take them home eat them cook them up and my dad's like nope gotta throw them back they're pregnant i've learned many years later they were not pregnant my dad was just against killing the fish and wanted to return them to the lake. And me, a little sadistic fucking five-year-old bastard, was like, come on, let's take them in and eat them. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> That's so funny. I, like I the... wish he would have just told me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you don't want to kill this beautiful little fish instead of, you know, letting me be, like, disappointed that we couldn't. Okay. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh, maybe you can murder next time. Maybe. It'll come around again. Life will always come around to end. Yeah, it will. Eventually it will all go away. Uh, All right. uh, And that's the last line for good news today. (laughs) (laughs) Good news for nihilists. Um, We're doing our best. (laughs) <laughs> anyway happy friday everybody we'll see you at the uh the thing the the meet and greet the happy hour uh it's gonna be fun so be there uh we're gonna have courtney uh courtney smith kramer who was who was in the interview yesterday she's the one who wrote be your creative sexy self she's gonna pop in i think uh and i'm gonna invite a few more other special guests and we'll see if they can make it um otherwise until then everybody please take care of yourselves take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag i've been jordan coburn And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.